Sometimes when you and I do something over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, we kind of lose the significance of it. It, it you know, the value, what it, what it means, what we understand it to mean, why we did it in the first place. Different things come to mind because we, we just, it becomes a habit more than it becomes a, a, an idea of worship or celebration. Communion is like that. And this morning, I've been talking about Thanksgiving, and I, I just I really all week just felt like I needed the, the greatest thing you and I have to be thankful for is our salvation. Of all the things that you and I can think about and all the blessings that we have from God, the Scripture reminds us that we could never count them if we tried. There's so many things God has done for us that we can never begin to give gratitude for all the things God has done for us. And certainly, we need to practice a regular lifestyle of gratitude. But the thing that we have always to be grateful for, no matter how our days may be or what's going on in our lives, maybe we've had the worst day, the worst week, month, even years in our lives. We just can't see ever a moment that's been good in this process of the struggle. But there's never a time when you and I, if we know the Lord Jesus Christ, can't say, thank you, God, that you loved me so much that you gave your son for me and allowed me to know you as my Father, my Forgiver, my Savior, and all that is there, and being a part of that. And so, you know, on a weekly basis, communion takes place. We say a few words, we take a a little wafer, and we eat it, we take a little cup, and we drink it, and we go about our business. But what does it mean to us? I know in our minds, we know what it represents, But what does it really mean? And I I just wanted to take some time this morning to draw us more into the reality of what that means when we think about what God has done for us in in this gift of Christ that is ours that we have to cherish and to always be grateful for. What did it mean for God to give that gift? That's really what we're celebrating when we do communion is the gift of God's grace to us in Jesus Christ, what he accomplished for us upon the cross and what he did for us. And so I wanted to take some time and just walk through this with you some. And again, I'm not going to say anything this morning. I'm sure that you don't already know. But sometimes we just need to pause in the midst of the familiar and ask God to take away the familiarity of it and make it awesome again, make it worshipful again, make it something that we find ourselves just genuinely celebrating because it's real every time. You know, Christmas is that way. Thanksgiving is that way. You know, all these holidays, it's easy to take them for granted because they just keep on coming around every year. And we lose sometimes the miracle of what it's about. So I wanted to take that, this moment, and I'm going to read. I'm going to ask you once again, and uh, this is, my, uh, you may get uncomfortable. You're not forced to do this, but it's, it's been a practice that God put in my heart a long time ago. But I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we read the scripture. I'm going to be reading out of Mark chapter 14. Verses 22 through 25. And the scripture says, While they were eating, he took some bread. And after the blessing, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take it, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood and he's of the covenant which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we think about this so familiar act of your love for us, this demonstration of grace beyond measure, I just pray that you would draw us into your heart. And for just a few moments, that that which has become so familiar to us, that which we do so often, 
Sometimes we just go through the motions of doing it because, it's, well, it's just a part of what we do each week. But, Father, I, I, I want to pray that somehow today that you would uh, cause it once again to, to take on new meaning in our lives, to just become something that's so amazing to us that you could love us that much and that we could understand the significance of what we're doing when we participate together in this great, great act of worship. And so bless this time this morning and, and just again renew our hearts and our minds and our understanding and I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. You know, you may be seated. You know the uh, situation that took place. Jesus had gathered his disciples there in the upper room and he was with them and he was recounting some things to them, but there was, there was one thing on his mind that was different than any other time, and that was specifically the cross. Uh, he gathered there, and, and you know, he, he didn't spend time with his disciples going over and re recounting all the miracles that had, they had seen and witnessed and reminding them of the majesty of God and the might of God and that God had so much power that he could do whatever it was that he chose to do. He didn't rehearse all the teachings that he had given them throughout the time that he had walked with them and, and trying to help them to grow and to understand what it meant to be a follower of Christ and, and to be one who believed in God and served God and worshipped God because they had a change of heart and now they belong to God and being a part of it. That wasn't where he dwelt. Where his heart was, where his mind was, was that he wanted to bring them to a place of understanding what was really on his heart, the cross. And that was what was there tonight. See, it was that night that he was preparing them for that most agonizing event that he was about to go through and being a part of that time. He was going to be a, a, a time with him as he walked with them through this experience and helped them to understand as they were gathered there together in, in the time there in the upper room, walking with one another and being with one another and the things that were going on. It was a sacrifice that had been planned, according to Scripture, before the foundation of the world. Before ever there was anything but God. Just the triune God existed. Nothing else. And I don't, can't tell you this morning I understand all of that by any means. But I just know that that's what the Bible teaches. Nothing but God existed. And in that time when there was nothing, already in the heart and the mind of the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there had been an agreement that God would cre that creation would take place, and out of that creation, the, the awareness that sin would occur, and out of that would be the recognition that there would have to be something done to take care of the sinful acts of mankind, because nothing that you and I would ever be able to do would satisfy the holiness, the justice of God, and all that was going on. And so, even then, before creation began, even before God breathed life into that first human being, in the mind and the heart of the Father, Christ had already been crucified. The price had already been paid. There was a moment in history that we know and we call, we celebrate it through Christmas and the Incarnation all through his life and Easter and to the resurrection. That happened in history. But in eternity, it had already been in the power and the heart of God. And this is when it's taking place. This is when that's being fulfilled, when Jesus has them in the upper room and he's moving in that direction and the things that are going on and being a part of that time. And the scripture says that Jesus took some bread there at that meal, and he held it before him. He said, this is my body. Now, obviously, that was symbolic. It wasn't something to say to them that he was appointing to his own physical body, but representing his body, he was talking about that. And he said, this is my body. And he was saying, wanting them to see that he had given up all the glory of heaven 
to come to earth in the incarnation and walk among us as humans. He had dwelt among us to experience life, to, to be able to say, as Hebrews would say, he, he experienced everything you and I experienced. He dealt with the things that you and I dealt with so that he could be our Savior and our high priest and know what's going on. And he told them that this body was the, the sacrifice. And as he took that bread, the Bible says that he broke the bread. And in the breaking of that bread, he was saying to them, this is the price that I'm paying for your sin, for your guilt. For your judgment, that you will never have to face it if you trust me and you allow me to be your Lord and Savior, you won't have to face the judgment of God for this is being poured out upon me. I'm taking that. And that broken body was the essence of, of him accepting that judgment, accepting our sin as his own. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made him, talking about Jesus Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, that you and I might be made in the righteousness of God because we have no righteousness. We can never be right with God. We can never do anything that would be acceptable before God. But God took his son and made him to be sin as a, with that broken body. And as he gave the disciples that bread and told them that they were taking and eat it, they had a choice. They didn't have to do that. They could have said, no, I don't, I don't want to. I don't, want to, I, don't want to, I don't want to acknowledge that. I don't, want to, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't want to be a part of it. For us to be able to have an experience with God, for us to be able to know what it is to be forgiven and to be accepted as the children of God, for us to be saved, if we want to use that terminology, we have to accept the sacrifice that he gave. We have to acknowledge that I can't do it. Nothing I can do can ever make me right with God. I can't save myself. I don't have enough money to pay for it. If I had all the money in the world, the Bible, in fact, says if I had the whole world. But I lost my soul. I have nothing. We have to take it. and we part. So when you and I partake of the bread each time, what we're doing is we're reminding ourselves that there was a point in time in our life when we understood that God so loved me that he gave me his only son. And that if I believed in that, if I accepted that reality, that his death upon the cross paid for my sin, he took my place, if I would accept that, that reality of that truth and accept him as my Savior and Lord and his forgiveness, that I would become his child, that I'd be forgiven, that I'd belong to God forever. John 1, 12, to those who believed in him, he gave the authority, the power, the right to be the very children of God. That's who we are, folks. We are God's children by spiritual birth through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every time we take that piece of bread, we're to be reminding ourselves the price that, that it represents, what it means that we have the right, the privilege to partake in this because God chose to love us and because we accepted that love and we took that in our heart. And so we, we find that in what's going on in our lives. And we need to remember that every single time. It's not just something that we go through the motions of doing. But every single time we take that bread, we ought to pause, at least in our mind, in our heart. And we ought to remember what price he paid, the brokenness, the being poured out upon him, all of the sin, all of the, all the judgment upon him that he might be our Savior and our Lord. That's what was on his mind was the cross as he went to it. And then the Bible says he took a cup, and it wasn't a cup like this. 
but this is just for me to have something to hold and show you. But he took the cup. It was representative of some very special things. And I want to remind you of that. I'm sure you know about it. But in, in the biblical times, when a wedding was to take place, after all the negotiations and the things that had been done between parents and things like that, the, the groom-to-be would take a glass of wine, a cup of wine, and he would present it to the prospective bride. And as he handed it to her, he was saying to her, this is my life. I give it to you. All that I am, all that I ever hope to be, all that I believe, Everything about me, I give to you and to you only for all of my life. Now, she could decide, I don't want you. And she didn't take the cup and she didn't drink it. Or if she felt the same way he felt and she had that same desire to be with him and to become his wife, she would take the cup. And as she took the cup and drank the cup, she was saying to her groom-to-be, I accept your life. I accept what you have offered to me. I accept all that you are and all the promises that you have made. And in turn, I give you my life, everything that I am, everything that I hope to be, everything that is mine, I give to you and you only. And then the engagement was officially sealed as it would come. Folks, the Bible tells us, we need to understand this, that we are the bride of Christ. And there was a bride price paid. It's the cross. that Jesus gave his blood there. And when we take the cup, each time we take the cup, it is the extension of God's love to us saying, this represents my life. This represents who I am. This represents everything that I have to offer. This represents all of my love and my grace. And I offer it to you. And I promise to you that I will be your Savior. And I will be with you for always, forever. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. I will always be you. I give all I am to you. And when we accept that little cup, and we hold it in our hands, and we think about it, we need to understand that we have the same privilege, the same right as that bride did. We can say, no, you're asking too much. I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to have to live that kind of a life. I don't want to give up all the things that I'm doing. I I don't want that. We don't have to take it. But if we accept it, we are saying that we have chosen to receive the life of God in Christ Jesus into our own lives, that we've accepted what he's offered to us. And in doing so, we're saying to him, I give you my life, all that I am and all that I ever hope to be and all that I can ever be. I give it to you, God. I offer it to you, to you alone, not to many gods, not to many philosophies and ideas, but God, I give you my life fully, completely, and totally to serve you for all the days of my life. Not just a week, not just a few years, but a lifetime. There's a lot of meaning when we take the bread and when we tuck the cup and we do the things that are involved with it. It comes to the reality that you and I have become 
not only the, the children of God, but that we are reminding ourselves each time we do this the price that was paid for that and reminding ourselves that we ourselves have made a commitment to God. That we've offered to Him our lives in response to His gift to us. That we've said to Him, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. I, I take all that you have offered to me in Jesus Christ. I accept that wonderfully and freely because I, I long to be saved. I long to have a relationship to you. I want to know you and I accept what you've done for me. But we must never stop there because it also means that I give you my life, God, to serve you. To, to live for you all the days of my life, to honor you and, and you only. And that's a price that we, we need to pay. That's what we need to do is to offer that kind of, of understanding that we're going to serve God with everything that we are. Now, that service comes in all kinds of different ways. You know, it, it, we do it as we give our lives to him. We do it as we pray for one another. We do it as we uh, share in ministry with one another, when we meet people's needs, when we do the different things that can, when we come and worship, when we study the Word of God, when we do all the different things that God has opened up to us, we're, we're using our lives as a service to Him, as a celebration of Him, as an evidence that God has done something in our lives that has made us different than we were before we encountered Him. He's changed us. And, and as he's changed us, he's using us as the channel through whom and now he wants to reach other people and change their lives and touch their lives as well. But the scripture also went on to say, you'll remember, he told the disciples in this particular passage, uh, you'll know it's recorded in the other gospel, but as, as he told them here, that he wouldn't be taking this again because he was fixed to ascend to the Father. He was going to die, be resurrected, and then he was going to be the Father. He wasn't going to go through the Passover meal with them again. They'd probably had the Passover meal, the disciples had all their lives. It was part of their tradition. And they'd probably had the Passover meal with him a few occasions before this particular time. But this one was different than it had ever been before. But now he's saying, I won't be a part of that physically anymore until the end of time, until we're all gathered together again. So there's another th thing or two that we're saying when we participate in the, in the communion. Uh, some people call it the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, Eucharist, all kinds of different names. Communion is the word that you're most familiar with here as you deal with it. But as we participate in that act of worship, we're saying, I believe that the promises of God are true. And that he's coming again. So every time I participate, I am acknowledging, first of all, that I am a child of God. I have accepted what he did for me in Christ Jesus. And I have received him into my life. And I have committed my life to serve him for all the days of my life. But also we're saying to one another and we're saying to any of who might be among us who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that we have a deep abiding confidence that the promise that he made as he went to the Father that he would come again is a certain thing. That Jesus Christ is coming again. Now he said no one knows when that is and we certainly don't need to be speculating what day that might be or when it might happen as many people try to do and figure it all out. That doesn't matter. He just said I'm coming again and I need to live my life knowing he's coming. Knowing that I need to have lived my life in such a way that I honor him 
so that when he comes, I'm not ashamed. I'm not trying to hide because I didn't do all the things that I should. When I take that cup, I'm proclaiming to a lost world and to my brothers and sisters in Christ, I have confidence today. I know that my Jesus is the Lord and Savior, Lord of lords and King of kings. He reigns. He reigns. And I believe with everything within me, there's a day coming when he's going to come and he's going to take his church, his bride, home to be with him. And oh, what a wedding there's going to be. What a feast, what a banquet there's going to be when that time comes. But in the meantime, you and I need to be living with the understanding that we were purchased with a price, not gold and silver and precious jewels, but the scripture says in the book of 1 Peter, but by the very precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless, undefiled blood of God is what paid that price for us. And that's what we think about when we do these things as we share together. And so communion is to be something that is a, is a attitude that brings us into a realm of worship, into a realm of thanksgiving every time we do it. And we really need to ask God to help us. God, I don't want this just to be something that we do because it's just something that we do. Because this is a tradition. Because this is the way we've chosen in this church to worship. We, we have communion every week or whatever it is. God, I don't want it to be something that I just go through the motions. God, please, in those moments when we share that together, remind me that we're a family. All of us together are one in Christ. We're a family. And we're sharing in that which we're also, as the family, we're, we're the collective together are the bride of Christ. And he loves us. And he gave himself for us. And he's coming again. God, just remind me of that, that, that you love me so much that you paid that price, that broken body, that shed blood for me. And give me the joy, the anticipation, the wonder, the awe that one day in your presence I'm going to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb and celebrate all this represents that we've been living in the meantime. It's an act of worship that's amazing that God gives. That's why Paul would say, as he wrote in Corinthians, when he, God revealed to him about the Last Supper and, and the communion and the things that were going on, that's why he would say that we need to look at our lives and be sure that we don't partake of this unworthily. Now, on the one hand, none of us are worthy because we're all sinners. We all have fallen short of God's glory. There's no one that's worthy in and of ourselves. But we are made worthy through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us. But even as Christians, even as those who have accepted the work of God in our lives through grace, oftentimes we choose not to be submissive to the work of God in our life. And we need to confess that sin. We need to turn that back over to God. And the wonderful truth of God is in 1 John 1, 9 is that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. But even more than that, and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so when we come, we, we, we need to come with a heart that's receptive. God, 
make me aware of what's going on in my heart. Is there something that's not what it needs to be? Let me give that to you. Let me just honor you, Father. I, I, I just want to offer up to you my, my, the sin that I've done. I, I give that to you and ask for your forgiveness. Father, that person that I spoke an unkind word to, forgive me for that. The attitude that I've possessed this week, God, forgive me for that. Just help my heart to be ready and right, to rejoice as your child, to rejoice within the family, to rejoice as your bride as I partake in this act of worship that you gave to us and said as often as you do it. You don't do it just to say you did it. As often as you do it, you do it in my name. You do it in the understanding of who I am and what I did for you. You do it in the understanding of how great is my love for you. Oh, how he wants you to know that. God never wants you to doubt his love for you. And every time we do that, it ought to be a reminder. How much does God love me? He gave his body, a broken body for me. How much does God love me? He poured out his blood for me. How much does God love me? In Romans 5, 8, he says, God demonstrated his love to us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we did it all right. Not after we went to church and started acting right and doing all the right kind of things and doing everything everybody thought we ought to do. While we were still sinners, while we were still Appalled with God. The Bible uses the word really that while we were still enemies with God. That's when he demonstrated his love to us. And every time, every time we take it, God, how you love me. How you love me, I don't understand. But I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you for that kind of love in my life. And in my heart, that you would accept me for who I am. And that you would make me your child. And that I can have the promise and the certainty and the assurance that one day we'll partake together in an amazing feast to, with one another. The groom, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the bride, his church. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we think about these things, there's... I acknowledge there's nothing that I can say or do to bring to life the wonder, the, the amazing act of grace and marvelous mercy displayed when you gathered your disciples and you went through this process of trying to give them an, a, a, a living parable of what salvation is, a, a living understanding of, of what you came to do when you were born and, and when you is the incarnation. When you became that little baby, you became that little baby for the very purpose of the cross. Your coming has no meaning except for the cross and, and the death and, and the burial and the resurrection. Without that, there's no salvation. And, and so you came with that in mind. You came with the idea that your body would be given. Your body would be made according to the scripture. You would actually become sin. For me, 
And so, God, I pray that you would help us to understand the great, great, great gift that we have, that we get to celebrate every week, not once a year at Thanksgiving, but every week in this church tradition, we get to say every week, God, thank you that you love me. Boy, it's been a bad week. I've had all kinds of struggles. Nothing's gone right this week. But this morning, as I hold this cup in my hand, this wafer in my hand, God, I'm reminded that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Not principalities or powers, not anything above the earth or under the earth or on the earth, not life nor death, not anything can ever separate me from your love. I'm yours. God, thank you for that. I needed that this morning. I just needed to be reminded that even though I feel alone and that nobody else cares, you love me and you gave yourself for me. God, help us to learn how to never take for granted that which is so familiar that we lose its significance. And I pray this morning that if there's anyone here in this service or anyone that may be viewing through some form of technology that has never truly put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, I'm not talking about being part of a church, member of a church, I'm not talking about being raised in a Christian home and because everybody else is a Christian, that must make me a Christian. I'm not talking about religion or philosophy or any of those things, but a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we as an individual have taken the understanding of your broken body and your shed blood of the cross, of the death, of the price paid for our redemption, and we've confessed that sin before you, I'm a sinner, God. Forgive me. I accept what Christ did. I accept him as Lord and Savior of my life. As he has extended himself to me, I accept him and I give myself to him. If that's never happened in any of the lives of some of the life of anyone here listening, Father, I pray this would be the day that they'd get that settled. They'd get that taken care of. Because even though we don't know when you're coming again, we know you are coming. And when you do come, it'll be too late if we've not already made it right. And so, Father, speak into our hearts. But mostly, again, I just want to be reminded myself, and I pray that as a church we might be reminded together that even though it's so familiar and even though we do it over and over and over and over again, it never has to become old. It never has to become just the familiar, just what we do. But every single time, it can be an act of worship, of celebration, of anticipation, if we just allow our hearts to be open to you. And I pray that in Christ's name.